You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. Uh, hey, Caitlin. Chris, what is up? Hey, uh, we have a couple things to talk about today. First of all, uh, a sad story. Uh, which is not how you're supposed to start a podcast, I don't think. But <laughs> it is a great start. But it is interesting, and it involves a player who we have talked about a whole lot uh, on this podcast. And uh, Jeannie Bouchard fell in the locker room at the U.S. Open. It was sort of treated. I remember when it was first reported as like a freak accident, and like she's been having a bad year, and isn't it crazy that this happened to her as well? And it turns out it is way more serious and way more sad than that. Yeah, she keeps um, she pulled out of a couple of tournaments, and then she kind of made her big comeback in the Asia Swing, which is like this past like month. Yeah, and she had to withdraw, notably against Andrea Pekovic, because um, she was like having like dizzy spells on the court. Yeah, which is so sad. So like the facts of the case are between two matches, she was like having this really good run at the U.S. Open, and we have talked mad shit about her because she's kind of a brat. <laughs> and like didn't live up to the hype and was like on a bunch of magazine covers without like putting her you know nose to the grindstone to her credit she comes back she has like a good end of summer is putting together a good US open um and has some pretty good wins and then one night after a match she was in the physiotherapy room of the women's locker room at the US open the the facility the Billie Jean King tennis center and she slipped and fell because of some slippery substance on the floor and hit her head um, and then had to pull out. I have been in that locker room many a time. So I'm, the next time I'm there, which Wait, is going to be in about really? two weeks. Yeah. Okay, go on. Uh, what are the circumstances where you're in that locker room? I'm in there all the time. I mean, the U.S. Open facility is open to the public for right. most of the year. They only That's close right. it down for two weeks in August. The rest of the time, it's like, you know, bozos like me trying to get some night tennis in between 8 and 10 p.m. <laughs> with my league. So it's like a really fancy locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no like physios and they turn off the taps that give you free Gatorade, which is kind of a dick move, by the way, Billie Jean King Tennis Center. Right. Leave them on for us, you know, recreational players. Right. However, Gatorade's terrible for you anyway. Yeah, I guess all that sugar at like 10 p.m. wouldn't be a good move. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I'm in there all the time. Who knew that danger was lurking around every corner? Yeah. And now she is suing, right? Yeah. Yeah, like the like the entire U.S. Tennis Association. Yes. Um, um, for how much money do we know? She says for a jury trial and unspecified damages. What do you think about this? Like, which is true. I mean, if they are at fault, and I don't know how you would go about determining that. I guess if they recklessly didn't clean the floor, or if it had been a problem before and they hadn't addressed it. I don't right. know. I, who knows? Yeah. But um, I'm rooting for her. I have talked, like I said, I have not been her fan. But I, this feels not cool. This feels not cool. And also, <clears throat> as you just said, uh, she was, uh, for you especially, becoming way more likable uh, during that run. Because it felt like she'd been like scuffed up a little. And uh, I think you felt like she was paying her dues with that yeah, injury. Yeah, that's exactly right. I yeah. feel like she was kind of getting beat up in the press conferences after the matches. And like her answers started to... Like started defiant and then got to be like kind of nuanced and like more mature where she was like, you know what? I'm just trying. I'm trying. I'm working really hard. I'm trying to get back there. And then she did it. And I was like, you know what? Cool. That's like a cool like 19 year old turning into a 21 year old like evolution where you're just like, okay, I'm going to own my shit. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to like stay out of the limelight and I'm going to put together some like solid appearances. So yeah, it's like kind of fucked up and sad. And like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the USTA. 
Unless you guys want to sponsor us for season three of the main draw, exactly. in which case I'll say whatever you want. No, but like, I'm not a huge fan of the USTA. I feel like they don't do And their Gatorade anymore. policy. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Fuck you, Gatorade. Yeah. Um, we're editing this out because I want Gatorade to sponsor us. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm no like huge fan of the USTA, but I, it's just like, kind of feels like a shitty thing all around. Yeah, definitely. All right. In happier news, uh, one of our favorite players uh, right from the get-go, Muguruza. Muguruza. Sorry, say that? Muguruza. You said it right. I was okay. just I was just excited. Okay, I was very nervous that I was getting that wrong. So I was I know, really troubled like, for a second. Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> you have name fear. I definitely have name fear, and I am into the wrong sport for name fear, man. No Whew. shit. Um so so yeah, she is taking her place as uh one of the elite I saw ESPN called her one of the elite. One of the elite. That feels meaningless, but also provocative. Yes, exactly. It is meaningless since there are literally rankings. Yeah. I mean, you can tell who exactly is an elite at any given time. No, but what struck me is this week, and the reason uh, I want to talk about it this week is because um, even though she won that Beijing tournament like a couple weeks ago and we talked about it, she's one point away from overtaking Sharapova as number two. Yep. Yeah, happened quick. Quick. Yeah. Really quick, right? Like right. within the last six months. And more importantly, and you know, to to Maria's credit, she's been out. Yeah. She pulled out of the US Open and a couple of the summer tournaments with an injury. But um I think what has everybody really exciting uh, excited is that um Muguruza has like the game to yes. challenge Serena Williams. I mean, however much longer that's relevant, which is to say maybe just like another year. Right. But it's exciting because it feels like, oh, like these two are capable of some really awesome battles. Muguruza took her out in the French Open about 18 months ago, and then right. they had a like a decently strong Wimbledon final. Like when's the last time like, you know, Serena had a really challenging Grand Slam final match. Right. Well, it was a really, as I remember, a really good first set. And then it was sort of like, well, no. Yeah, no. yeah. My yeah. thesis doesn't really hold under close examination. That's no, no, fair. no, no, no. But after the match, remember, uh, Serena said, like, uh, like, I know one day you'll be holding this trophy. And it turns out she wasn't humoring her. <laughs> like, at the time, I was <laughs> right. thinking, like, if I were her, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> thanks. I'm not. What do you 10. think? Let me bring you back to that moment where Andy Roddick lost to Roger uh, Federer in the Wimbledon final. And it kind of felt like Federer was being a dick because right. we all knew that was like Andy's last best chance. A really good chance. I mean, really he, good chance. He played better than twenty guys who have actually won tournaments. Yeah, like and one he just Wimbledon. barely lost. He exactly. had a he had that match on his racket. He hit a volley into the net in the third set. Yeah, oh. on a set point. Had he won it, it would have been his match. And remember, he, Roger in claiming the trophy, like looked back over his shoulder and he was like, "Don't worry, Andy, you'll have plenty of chances." And it was like not only kind of assy, but like it was just patently not true, and we right. all knew it. Right. Exactly. And like Andy didn't look happy, right? I remember. No, he cried and he kind of like, he like did a, what's the word I'm looking for? It was like a. Sneer? Yeah. 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 I I remember having. There was a sneer. There was a sneer. I remember having an unusually honest reaction to it, which was great. Right. And it also revealed, like, what I really liked about that moment, it revealed that, like, as much as everybody. All fans sort of love and respect Federer, or most anyway. Like some of the players are like, "Enough with your fucking cream-colored cardigans, dude!" <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like there is that resentment there among players because yeah. he's like a little too slick. You oh, know are you I mean? gonna give this, you know, acceptance speech in four languages, you dick? Right, you know? <laughs> right. And you know, there's no like real reason to hate him, and he was just being like gallant and nice. But I can see how it'd be grating. You know what I mean? I don't know that it was gallant and nice. I feel like we saw like a bit of a Federer. Like I think that was one of the few finals that people rooted against him. Right. Well, I certainly did. Yeah, I did sure. too. And yeah. I'm no Andy Roddick fan, but I 
I shed tears. Hang on, wait. You don't like Andy Roddick? What do you like? No. Do you really? Yes, a lot. I like Andy Roddick a lot. He's like Andy Roddick's like a forehand. That's it. It, Well, for for, a a forehand and a serve and an overachiever, (laughs) an overachiever, totally. I mean, he has a totally broken backhand. That that weird stiff left arm, like. uh, he strikes me as like Sharapova a little bit. I mean, not as accomplished, obviously, but like they are not uh, the most gifted athletes to ever play tennis, but they're pretty tough. I don't know. I feel like the entire nation and, you know, our, our proxies showered kind of undeserved love and attention and hype on him for like a decade. Huh. Because he I mean, won so early. Yeah. Yeah, because he won so early, and like we all were like, oh, cool, I guess this guy's going to be the new Pete Sampras Agassi. Right. And, it, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I never kind of bought it, and I was kind of like, ugh, I don't know. This guy doesn't seem very, like, charming or interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I don't hate him, but right. I definitely, like, I would not. But it was notable that I was rooting for him. Huh. And it felt like my heart was breaking for him that day. Yeah, um, totally. Because it felt like, yeah. So let me ask you this. Yes. Based on the um, the legitimate, we feel, Serena Muguruza um, passing of the torch moment. Yes. And the possibly insincere Federer Andy Roddick, um, you know, acceptance speech moment. How effusive if in winning a grand slam, would you be about your opponent's efforts? It's like a weird thing in tennis, right? Like where you have to win, you win and then you have to like immediately give a speech, like praising your, the opponent you're just vanquished. Like, can you imagine like the San Antonio Spurs being like, you know, right, asked to like talk extemporaneously about like, right. uh, you know, the heat, like, and like with, all with unglowing terms, like in the front right. of the crowd that just watched the, the game. Right. It's like one thing to talk to a reporter right, right afterwards, like, uh, and say like, uh, well, uh, that's a good team over there. Or like <laughs> right. uh, one coach always says about the opposing coach, like he really gets his team ready. But like in tennis, like you have to like put together thoughts in multiple languages and be nice. Yeah. I think I'd be, I think I would be pretty effusive but you're that, so nice you're right but that's probably why i wouldn't i know <laughs> but that's probably, your thing would be super boring because you'd be so nice i'd be so nice but that's also why i wouldn't be winning grand slams <laughs> you <laughs> know what point. i mean like like i feel like if you hear like a really really nice speech i guess serena's was really really nice but she has nothing to prove anymore like i don't know if in 1999 she would have been that nice maybe yeah but, serena can like start giving out her trophies yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean and goes, like she wouldn't like her trophy room wouldn't even like be missing anything i'm taking the trophy today Muguruza. but here have my trophy from the 07 us open yeah you can take these last couple ones i don't need them <laughs> yeah. i don't even bother like taking them out of storage you i know, have them on a huge charm bracelet back home <laughs> just take one off you know um not to like uh humble brag this is not my humble brag by the way uh, uh you I mean was... in addition to being in the locker room it is just living in the the hollowed grounds of the ndz locker room uh-huh. um I, as everyone on planet Earth should, follow Serena Williams on Instagram. And she had this hilarious picture over the weekend. Um, And she was holding her two gold medals from Beijing. And it was like, just cleaning out some old boxes. (laughs) Hashtag Sunday. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) So fucking awesome. Yeah. That will never be me, but I really appreciate it. Sure. Sure. Anyway, um, so hats off to Garbina for closing the gap 
Let's yeah. hope she makes a strong showing in the tour finals, but more importantly, the next year of tennis. Cause I think like we now have like the potential for some real firecracker matches, um, before Serena hangs it up. Right. And, uh, and then you have Azarenka playing a little better. Like, I feel like the top, you know, four or five seeds of women are stronger than they've been. Completely. I yeah. feel like Ivanovich kind of had a few unlucky breaks, but she actually had a quite good year. Yeah. Victoria Azarenka, the same thing. Like since she was seated low, she had to like go through really tough draws, but like yep. she'll, that'll keep improving as long as she doesn't get hurt again. Yeah. Like I actually feel like women's tennis is probably in a way better state than it has been in a very, very long time. And that's exciting. Cause I, kind of prefer women's tennis um not to be sexist but no no uh never (laughs) well well allow me to play to type and say have you seen that Djokovic has won 94 percent of his matches this year that's fucking he's like 74 and 5 or something outrageous he played sangha pod favorite joe willie sangha i watched i watched it it was i was bombed was workmanlike yeah. Uh, if the workman is one of the greatest players ever. And I think he's like getting into that <laughs> range. It's just like if his Grand Slam final uh, record was a little higher, I don't think there'd be like any question because he's just killing it. And it's like, did the Big Four era, did he kill the Big Four era or did it just naturally end with aging? Like, yeah. I, like I'm really not sure because it seems like Federer's level is still really high. And Murray's not bad. He just always seems worse than he is because he's actually loses at the Murray exact is same number time. two ranked right. in the world right now. Did you know that? Uh, I did know that. Uh, right. And Djokovic has almost twice as many points as him. Yeah, he's got like sixteen thousand <laughs> like points. Sixteen thousand, and points. the rest of them are in the eights. Yeah, and below. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I th- yeah, it's probably like both, but I think it's. I think that's one thing that like we always come back to, which is like so tough about him because like the big four made it exciting and there was like a diversity of style. And even nice. when Federer was dominant, there always was like this asterisk where it's like, well, he can't beat Nadal on clay though. Right. Or like, what can he win that he hasn't already? Right. Yeah. So maybe he just needs to start playing left-handed or like eat gluten again <laughs> yes. and then see how he does. What if he falls off the wagon and he's like, one pound heavier and his game just goes to shit. Like, yeah. It's like so perfectly calibrated that right. like that one, like <laughs> beignet is just right. like sense well, of spiraling. It's all off. Right. It's like right. a Alexander Calder sculpture. Right. Like you take off one little metal balloon. Yeah. And it all goes to shit. Exactly. Well, Dimitrov we is like, yeah, Dimitrov is like, he looks bloated today. He's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this mother down. <laughs> oh, hey, one more thing about men's tennis, a different kind of men's tennis, which is wheelchair tennis. Uh, during the final, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, during the final or one of the semis, maybe, one of the uh, final matches, and then it ended up playing at the same time as the men's uh, as the men's final in wheelchair tennis. And I flipped over to it because uh, I couldn't stand to see Federer lose so many break points. <laughs> it's like hard, hard to watch or whatever match it was. It was like painful. The person who I wanted to win wasn't winning. And it was, and I kind of stumbled onto this awesome rivalry, which is, which I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know anything about, but this Japanese guy, uh, Shingo Kuneda, um, and a French guy named Stefan Hude, which is, a really great name for tennis, I think. They're both pretty great. They're both pr- pretty great. Uh, Houdet is 44, which is pretty great, and he plays with gloves, uh, which is awesome, which I love. Um, 
But uh, Kuneda is like incredibly dominant, and they've met in uh, Grand Slams or in the major tournaments uh, in wheelchair tennis, which one thing I read indicated they were kind of more important or were until recently, way over 20 times. I mean, these mm. guys are far and away the best players of their g- g- generation, and Kuneda, I think, is on like, you know, 19 or 20 or 25 majors. Um, and it was just really cool. And it was actually pretty fun to watch. They have the second bounce, which right. uh, it doesn't happen in each rally. So like each time it happens, it's like a little jarring. Um, right. But they cover a ton of the court, you know, and I don't want to be like patronizing, like, wow, look at them out there. Cause they're really good. And just to serve alone with, with any kind of pace it's because it's only your, your torque getting it there. Right. is pretty great. But like, I would say like give wheelchair tennis a watch. It's like really worth watching. Well, this goes into my general philosophy about, um, anytime people get to go to tournaments uh-huh. and, um, like be they grand slams, uh, or, you know, tiny regional tournaments. Like a lot of times there's more events going on than you can possibly yeah. imagine. And yeah. like, if you stick around and like kind of look at schedules and find some like, uh, you know, go a couple hours early or like venture out to court 17 or whatever it is. Um, you can like usually see some amazing stuff. This happened actually to me, um, when I was at the U S open, sadly watching Serena lose. And, um, I thought that I, you know, I had about an hour to kill. So I met my friend Mercedes and we had beers and we watched a teen, uh, who turns out to be like the Swedish star, Huh. Um, whose name is Ymir. And then a couple of days ago, I saw him on TV playing in like the semis of the Stockholm Open. Wow. And he's a Swede by way of Ethiopia. So he's this like... Oh, lanky, sure. Yet lanky again. kid of a classic story. <laughs> right. E- Ethiopian turned Swedish turned tennis champion. Sure. You know, the old, as the old cliche goes. <laughs> um, you know, and this kid is like rangy and he's cute and he's got an interesting amazing game and it was pretty humbling to like sit five feet away from you know a 17 year old (laughs) who didn't look very discernibly different than like the professionals we just get gotten done watching and it was really cool and made me really pumped like for not only the next generation but like you know we've been talking about bouchard and muguruza like it's it's exciting like there's a bunch of really cool players coming down the pike do i wish some of them were american Sure, you know, but <laughs> right. for me, I'm going to find, you know, have fun watching these people well, as long as they just stay upright and don't slip on, you know, greasy substances yeah, on the floor. I want to end on yes. the phrase, protect your neck. Well, all right. As the Wu-Tang would say, because we don't need anybody else banging up their heads. Um, and I'm not sure if I want to wish Eugenie Bouchard good luck in her lawsuit, but I certainly wish her good luck in her recovery. Exactly. Because um, um, we need her out there. Because the game, uh, the game's going to get boring unless we have some really interesting characters. Wow, this is a lot of personal growth with Jeannie Bouchard, Caitlin. Thank you. I'm glad you recognize it. I definitely need praise for it, <laughs> and I'm glad it's been received. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the main draw. All right. Adios. Bye.